From RTE News, this is States of Mind. I am your president of law and order. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. All groups should practice self-monitoring and remain peaceful. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down. May history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come. Your U.S. election 2020 podcast. With Brian O'Donovan in Washington. And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up live out the true meaning of its creed. Yes, fear is real in the minds of some, and uh, but I contend that if we are willing to work together, uh, we can create what my father called the beloved community. And when if we're able to do those things, we will create the America that America ought to be. Martin Luther King III, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on States of Mind. Thank you. I'm certainly honoured to uh, to share. It has been 57 years since your father's I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. On August 28th this year, you, along with thousands of others, followed in your father's footsteps and gathered at the Lincoln Memorial, fighting once again for an end to racial injustice. Your 12-year-old daughter, Yolanda King, spoke at that event too, something you must have been incredibly proud of when she vowed to fulfil her grandfather's dream. We have mastered the selfie and TikTok. Now we must master ourselves. Less than a year before he was assassinated, my grandfather predicted this very moment. He said that we were moving into a new phase of the struggle. The first phase was the civil rights, and the new phase is genuine equality. He said that we must not forget the days of, the, of Montgomery. We must not forget the sit-ins movement. We must not forget the Freedom Rides, the Birmingham Movement, and Selma. Papa King, we won't! What do you think your father would say if he knew that his granddaughter was at the place he was almost 60 years later still calling for equality? You know, I, um, I'm sure my, my father and mother, I should say, since both of them are no longer with us physically, mm. um, would be extraordinarily proud that their granddaughter uh, was able to stand up in that spot and uh, talk about really the fulfillment of the dream that he envisioned 57 years ago. But I also think that they would be slightly saddened by the fact that we as a nation and as a world community have not made more progress um, and that we are find ourselves at a juncture where our nation is very divided, um, more divided than it ever has been. And so I think that would be disappointing to both of them. They would not be pessimistic or negative. They would just, I think, be realistic. 
but they certainly would be so, so proud of, 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 of uh, their granddaughter and uh, what she manifests, because she said that our generation will resolve these issues that we've been, as a society, working on for years. In fact, I might add that she said to me and her mother uh, a little while back, she was saying, well, you know, I feel, I feel a little saddened that I thought my grandfather and grandmother worked to resolve all these issues, and we still have not resolved them, particularly the issue around race. Why or how do you think it has come to this point? We see people out on the streets clashing with police, but also clashing with the commander in chief. Uh, yes, we, we certainly see that. But unfortunately, uh, the commander in chief, the president, is not a unifier. He intentionally is a divider. And I have to assume that the main reason that he is that way, uh, beyond the fact that he doesn't seem to have a moral compass and a moral center, is that um, he thinks that that's, what, that's the way he wins. Um, he, he, he was able to win the first time because he divided people. Uh, and he thinks that that's his formula for winning. And therefore, he continues to, to divide And the tragedy is that we as a world are going through a pandemic, uh, which is impacting uh, the global economy and and everything. And and tragically, so many people, uh, over 185,000 people, I guess, have died in the United States, 6 million who have the virus. And of course, that's just, you know, here in in the United States, uh, not talking about the world. But the fact of the matter is, in crisis like this, in crisis around race, which is the, the one of the biggest crises that exists, is the divisions of race and racism, systematic racism. Uh, but the way you address that is you bring the nation together, and leadership dictates how a nation comes together. And so if a president uh, used a different form of communicating and talked about let's roll up our sleeves and let's resolve all these issues and let's truly make America the nation that it ought to be, then you have a good uh, perspective of being able to achieve it. But under the current circumstances, nothing is going to happen differently unless this president is voted out in November. I was at the March for Washington last month covering it for RTE, our station. It was fascinating to watch. It was a huge gathering of people and all that historical significance of where your dad made his speech that 57 years ago on that day. But the night before, another big speech had been made and it had been made by Donald Trump, his acceptance speech at the White House. And he insisted that he had done an awful lot for the African-American community. In the past, he has claimed that he as president has done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln. What do you make of those claims when he tries to defend his record on race? So I would have to first say that just because he says it does not make it true. He has been um, identified as as basically by fact checkers uh, who are nonpartisan, who are not of one party or the other, but nonpartisan as having told over 16,000 lies to the American people. So just because he says something does not mean it's true. Now, I would say that there are a few things that he's done. Uh, And what I mean by that is when it comes to criminal justice reform, he has done something. Um, When it comes to supporting African-American colleges and universities, he's done 
he's done something. Um, but, you know, to say that you've done more than anyone except Abraham Lincoln or the African-American community is just not true. I mean, many of the things that he's done have really hurt the African-American community. Uh, one of the things that he constantly is doing is, is, is right now he is talking about removing this diversity and sensitivity training from all government operations. So you're basically saying, okay, racism and uh, insensitivity does not exist. He also, there's this, a project called the 1619 Project that talked about the history of America, you know, before, uh, a little bit before, you know, actual slavery. And there's a different narrative that has been documented. And he's basically saying that if people teach this history, which is truth, then uh, we're going to cut your federal funding. So everything he's doing is certainly has a racial tone. He also did something like uh, enacted a policy many some years back we had a fair housing policy so that people can move wherever they can afford and then there's affordable housing in all areas well he decided that he was going to do it through an executive order make sure that affordable housing would not be available in the suburban areas of the country all of this is just overtones of constant racism and so for him to say he's done more for black people is beyond disconcerting. It's, 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 it's number one, it's just not true. Do you consider him to be a racist president? Well, I consider the implications of what he's done are certainly racist, more so than we've, I don't know that we've seen this, you know, since the 60s. The Confederate monuments are another example. Uh, the Confederacy, of course, in the Civil War fought to preserve slavery. And memorials are in many places around the country. And many of those memorials, as you may have seen, have been taken down by the communities. And uh, he's basically saying, well, they're taking down our memorials. Now, the reality is that is a part of American history, but it may go in a museum. It should not ever be in a place of honor where you dehumanize an individual and he and his family were separated and they worked for years for no resources. They I mean, they worked them to the bone. It was just it's the most one of the most in, inhumane institutions that ever existed. And this is what the Confederacy wanted to protect and preserve. So for you to say that again, these they're taking out our monuments is clearly says that this this man has some serious racist blood um, that, uh, you know, I don't think there should be a question about it. I think we need to be talking about something else because it's not, you know, if he's a racist, is whether or not enough of us as people will come together as the United States of America and vote him out. That's really what the issue should be focused on. Mr. King, we have been speaking on this podcast to some black Republicans and black Democrats who are supporting Donald Trump in this year's election because they feel the Democratic Party has let African-Americans down over the decades, that not enough has been done. Could they do more? Well, certainly uh, the Democratic Party itself could and should have done more, uh, but it represents a different vision for the United States uh, than the Republican administrations have represented. Uh, you one of the mo major things that a president does is to appoint judges uh, to the federal bench. And many of those judges are there for life, their lifetime appointments. Uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans have pushed through a number of conservative. There's nothing wrong with conservative, 
But if you are conservative around, around issues of race and inclusion, that's certainly problematic in a nation that's population is changing dramatically. And so um, many of these judges, there's a governing body of lawyers who recommend or don't recommend various judges. Uh, 90% of the judges that he's appointed have the, the, the governing body that the lawyers that look at them have said, these people are not even qualified, but they're federal judges now because of Donald Trump and the Republican Party. So, you know, I, I think people have a right to be whoever they want to. And I mean, African-Americans now, but anyone. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are individuals who maybe support uh uh, President Trump. It's very difficult for me to see why that is the case based on the kind of things that he's doing that impact the African-American community. Some of the things I just mentioned. Um, but again, people have, for various reasons, they support who they support. But the overwhelming majority of African-Americans, uh, I don't think that's th that are going to be supporting President Trump. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. When we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and singing the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Do you think Joe Biden, though, is assuming too much that black support? You know, the family of Jacob Blake didn't seem keen to host politicians after his shooting. Do you think Joe Biden kind of politicized his shooting by meeting them then in Wisconsin recently? No, I, I, I think all, everyone who's running for president should have met with him. I think President Trump should have. Uh, he, he said that he tried to, and I'm not, I don't know if he did or didn't. And he said that the lawyers, they wanted lawyers there, and, you know, it, it just didn't work out. And he talks about the violence of demonstrations. Well, there is violence that has occurred, and that's very tragic. We even see some of it going on now. But just yesterday or the day before, a documented article came out and said 93% of all of the protests that have occurred have been peaceful protests. Uh, so that means 7% uh, have, been, uh, have been violent. And the violence is very unfortunate, and somehow we have to figure out how do we work through that. But that does not mean the whole nation is violent and people are out here looting, everybody's looting and tearing up things. That's just not true based on this, this, this data. Uh, but again, I, I think it's we we are at a uh, we are powder keg right now as a nation because there are so many people. Uh, the president does have you know 38 maybe 40 percent support. That's a significant amount of supporters. And to me, those many of those who support him, at some point you got to say, look, what he represents is just not the right vision for us moving together as a nation. We can move as a separate nation, which is what he is doing, uh, but we won't achieve all that we ought to achieve, not for everyone. America was supposed to be a, a melting pot of so many different ethnic groups. And we have to start by admitting that racism is real. He's publicly saying racism doesn't exist. Although Bob Woodward is coming out with a book, 
I mean, systematic racism is not real. Although Bob Woodward is coming out with a book just right now that's basically saying he admitted to him that, yeah, we are racist. We're less than other countries. But he's saying to the public that, no, there's no systematic racism. He knows that there's systematic racism, but he's using that, again, for his own personal advantage to what he thinks will advance him. My hope is that there are so many people who've come together, a lot of white young people, uh, black folk, uh, Latino and Hispanics, Native Americans, Asian and, and Africans uh, from all over who are saying, okay, we want to go in a different direction. We need a different vision. And the candidates that we have to choose from are Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It's a, it should be a very easy choice. They're, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris present a whole different vision than Donald Trump and Mike Pence have, have, have provided for this nation. Joe Biden rather controversially told an African-American radio host, you ain't black if you vote for Donald Trump. He had a previous gaffe. He spoke about comparing uh, white children, black children, underprivileged children. And he also spoke about a lack of diversity within the African-American community. He has said some things, has he not, that perhaps have angered members of the African-American community. Are we overplaying this belief out there that the vast majority of the black vote will go Joe Biden's way? No, I don't think that we are overplaying that at all. I, th- I think that those who vote, now there may be some who decide not to vote. And that's what what could determine the election. But those who vote overwhelmingly, the majority is going to, are not going to vote for, for Donald Trump. I'm, I'm certain of that. That doesn't mean that there won't be black folk who support Donald Trump. But I, would, I don't know the percentages and numbers, but overwhelmingly. And I would say, yes, uh, Joe Biden has made some, some gaffles from time to time um, or made mis- missteps. Uh, but that does not diminish, you know, who he is and the fact that there's a real opportunity to speak with him and to uh, garner change because there are a number of persons who, he, if he's able to win, he's going to owe the African-American community and others uh, something significant. And it's got to be totally different than what Donald Trump has offered, which has been very little. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, Maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so just as I say we aren't gonna let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't gonna let any injunction turn us around. what will happen now we've got some difficult days ahead but it really doesn't matter with me now because i've been to the mountaintop 
You mentioned earlier that 93% of the Black Lives Matter protests had been peaceful and 7% had had some form of violence in them. Unfortunately, though, as you know only too well, the media has been playing, and particularly some media outlets, that 7% of the violence almost on a loop on the TV screens. Is there a danger that it has tainted the overall message and that it could help Donald Trump keep the White House? Because there are some people out there, perhaps white people in suburbs, in swing states, who are frightened by the scenes that they've seen on their TV screens. Certainly, there's always the, the prospect that uh, because of what people see, um, that, um, that could hurt um, the, the efforts uh, of, uh, of a Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris, because Donald Trump professes to be law and order. Uh, but the question is, what do you mean by law and order when seven or eight or nine of the people that you chose to work with you have been <laughs> indicted and were on their way to jail? Some of them you've set up pardons for. I, I just think that there are a lot of things he's got to manage uh, and to be able to navigate winning. And perhaps the thing that he is and, and co cohorts are doing, I think we have to be very concerned about the Russians and Russian interference. I do believe that's very real. And so there are a lot of challenges that have to be overcome. But I still believe there is a, a, a good chance uh, that we will change uh, leadership in this nation. The mayor of Kansas City, Quinton Lucas, told NPR recently that he believes Donald Trump is playing on fear. Fear is a powerful and strong emotion. How do you overcome fear? Can hope do that? Well, yeah, hope and, and, and love, I mean, you know, there's a, a saying, perfect, perfect love cast out fear. Um, and maybe hope can do that. But I think you have to provide people with real examples of what you can't, what is real and what can be created. And I think when you do that, uh, I think, uh, you know, you, you, I think that that you can be victorious. Hope alone cannot do it. Uh, in this election, hope is, is needed. I mean, unfortunately, there are millions of Americans that are suffering, uh, just as there are people around the world because of this pandemic. And that doesn't get covered enough. Uh, the fact that millions of people are struggling just to make ends meet, they're trying to, trying to make food because jobs have, have gone. And, you know, they keep telling us things are good and, and are covering, and that's, that's not accurate. That's just not the truth. So Donald Trump is taken for credit for things that just are not uh, what they are at this particular moment. And he's saying that things are so good. So my, my point is, I think that the goal is to galvanize all of the people who are uh, affected by policies. For example, it also came out that he knew that the pandemic was serious and could be very serious but he downplayed it as if it wasn't and didn't do take the steps that a leader should have taken. All of this is coming out as we speak in Bob Woodward's book. And these are things that Donald Trump said to Bob Woodward. And so the fact of the matter is he's consistently lied and shown just how bad of a leader that he really is. And the hope is that I'm going back to hope is that the majority of the people say, you know, we cannot tolerate this anymore. We must vote for different leadership. That can happen, but it's, uh, it's not a scenario where it's a, an open and shut case. It's certainly not an easy scenario because there are many other factors. He's he, dealing with the post office, for example. There's a scandal that came out about the U.S. post office, and the person he appointed 
to be the postmaster general who basically uh, intercepted the process and slowed down the process of mail. And that those are the kind of things that could help Donald Trump. So we've got a lot to overcome in this nation um, for us to, number one, uh, bring a different leader to bear, but also to bring our nation uh, together. Because regardless of whatever the results are, we somehow got to come together. As I said, we need every person to roll up their sleeves and work together to make America the nation that it ought to be. Because as someone from the outside looking in on the United States, there seems to be a lot of anger and fear. What do you say to people inside the US who are feeling that anger and fear at the moment? Well, the thing I have to go back to um, is that, you know, we had we've had fear many, many times and fear does not does not serve anyone well. Um, you know, we have to go on and endure and work through issues. Um, and I, I'll say, for example, when we look at these, the violence that they're talking about, people are not looking at what caused the violence. You know, in, in uh, Kenosha just a few weeks ago, policemen came in to the city of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and shot a man in the back seven times. Before they shot him, people were not rioting or not looting. It was not until he was shot in the back. So we've got to look at who is the pro- who is creating the problem. Every action creates a reaction. And that has been the case. You know, George Floyd, the tragic killing of George Floyd certainly mobilized people around this nation and throughout the world. We've never had this many people marching for civil rights as we had right after George Floyd's tragic killing. I mean, in every state there was a demonstration. That has never happened. Many of those states, uh, there were very few, if any, black people involved. And so there's a different climate that has never existed. Yes, fear is real in the minds of some, and we do see these incidents occurring. Uh, But I contend that if we are willing to work together, we can reduce all of this in terms of the violence. We can build community. Uh, We can create what my father called the beloved community. And when, if we're able to do those things, we will create the America that America ought to be. And, you know, one of the things I say, my wife always shares this phrase with me. She said, we have to work for change, we have to pray for change, and we have to be the change. And if love has yet not won, then the battle is not yet over. Powerful words to end it on. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. King. That was excellent. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for the opportunity.